Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast, where we talk all about that coziest of book genres, the cozy mystery. I'm your host, Christy Meyer, and I'll be bringing you weekly author interviews and keeping you up to date on all the hottest upcoming cozy mystery releases. So grab yourself a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, my cozy friends. We've got another exciting episode of Get Cozy Podcast for you today with another very special guest who I am just thrilled to get to chat with. Her series, in my opinion, really encompasses the theme of our conversation today, which is family dynamics and cozy mysteries. Ever since Esme Addison discovered Nancy Drew, she's wanted to solve mysteries. As a mystery author, she's finally found a way to make that dream come true. A former military spouse, Esme lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her husband and three boys. When she's not writing, you can find her visiting B&Bs, breweries, wineries, and historical sites. So welcome to the show, Esme. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And before we jump into the conversation today, do you want to start by telling our listeners what the Enchanted Bay Mysteries are all about? Sure. So the um, Enchanted Bay Mystery Series begins with a spell for trouble. And this, the, the story follows Alex Sobieski or Alexandra um, Sobieski um, as she relocates from New York to Bellamy Bay, which is a fictional beach community off the coast of North Carolina. And she reconnects with her mother's side of the family. Um, her mother is deceased. And she discovers that she has a, a magical heritage. And this is happening while she's working in the family herbal apothecary. And um, she's kind of reconnecting with her family and getting to know the people in, in this community and discovering a lot of interesting secrets in her past. Yeah. And this series is just so enchanting. I've recommended it on this podcast multiple times. I've had other guest authors on the show recommended on the podcast multiple times. So listeners definitely start picking it up if you haven't already. And Esme, can readers expect more books in the series? Um, yes, I've got um, about nine books planned. So yeah, oh, it's wow. a series, yeah. Yeah, that is so exciting. I can't wait for more books. Um, yeah. And one thing I wanted to talk about is it's become almost a cliche. In a lot of genres, the authors kind of come up with ways to get the main character's family out of the story so that they're on their own and have to overcome whatever obstacles they're facing by themselves. Um, but in cozies, families tend to pay, play a very central role in the story. So why do you think families are such an important part of the cozy mystery genre? You know, I don't know who really created the cozy mystery genre, but, you know, one of the important elements is is family and how, I guess, you know, 
the idea of coziness, you know, it's, it's being, you know, comfortable and warm and happy and feeling grounded in a community. And so I think um, a core part of any community is having family. Um, mm -hmm. You know, family can be, you know, your biological family or it can be a found family, you know, a group of people that you find that become like your family. So regardless of what type of, you know, family it is, I think that it's just a, a foundational element of being, you know, of coziness, which is feeling comfortable in your own skin and, and having a, um, a feeling of security, which comes from being around or having a close-knit group of people around you that you can trust and feel comfortable with and that really gets you. And so I think that it's it's a, an important part of the of the genre that, that the main character have that, whether she either already has it or she, she you know, she leaves a situation and finds it, which is the case when in the Enchanted Bay Mysteries, Alex you know, leaves, you know, the quote unquote big city. Um, her father has died and she, her mother died when she was little. And then she actually, you know, she feels, she's at loose ends and she feels that she doesn't really have anyone. And she's kind of, she's, she's adapted to being a loner and not having anyone. So she comes to Bellamy Bay and she finds this family and that kind of adds to that coziness, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And all of you cozy authors really do just go above and beyond to create the world and the community and the family that readers can just immerse themselves in and feel like they're a part of while they're reading the series. And for me, that's kind of like the special sauce of the cozy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the reason that I keep returning again and again to read these books. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the, one of the draws to the cozy mystery genre is that in some ways it's a little aspirational. Um, because, you know, everyone, you know, I mean, most people like having, you know, some sort of element of coziness in their life, but many people don't have a group of family that are people that you can, you know, you love and you trust and it makes you feel safe and, mm -hmm. you know, and live in a community, you know, like beautiful, cute, charming little town. So, you know, some people do have that, but some people don't. So sometimes, you know, you want to read that and, and imagine yourself in that, in that in that space and, and imagine that you've got people in your life like that. So I think that it's, you know, it's aspirational in that sense too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And in the spell for trouble, your main character, Alex is like you said, just becoming reacquainted with her own family. Um, and they become a part of her life, a very important part of her life very quickly. And there's even a quote in the story that reads fighting for the family. She just discovered was worth any danger she faced. So why is family so important to Alex specifically? Right. Well, it's, you know, it's when I created the character of Alex is part of her character arc that she goes from have, really having no family and not thinking it's that important because she didn't have it and, and learning how to adapt to her learning that family is important. So it's part of her character arc. But she, um, you know, she she didn't have it for so long that, you know, you know, when you don't have something, sometimes you don't know what you don't have or you don't know to miss it. So when she gets that, that just that feeling of like community and like closeness, wow, there's people that I can trust that have my back for no other reason that we are like biologically connected, you know, and it's something that she actually had as a small child. And then her, when her mother died um, and her father kind of kept her away from her mother's family because of their kind of, magical background um, that he, you know, maybe didn't understand or maybe he feels is, is responsible for his wife's death. So he kind of kept her from that. And so she's got a taste of that. And it's just, um, you know, it's just something that she's ready to fight for. Like she wants and she realizes how important it is. Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, I fell in love with 
all of the characters in Alex's family just immediately, as soon as you introduced them, they all just jumped off the page and felt like real people. And they're all just such lovely characters. Um, But they're hiding a really big secret. So they're water witches descended from mermaids. And I just thought that was so much fun. So can you tell us a little bit about their abilities and how you came up with the magic system in the series? Sure. So first I should mention that this idea is based on the myth of the mermaid of Warsaw. And I I discovered that myth kind of diving into my... um, my mother-in-law and father-in-law's heritage, which is Polish. And um, I came across this, this wonder, you know, like many, many, you know, young women or girls, you know, at some point you, you fall in love with the idea of mermaids. And so I've always liked mermaids, but when I found this myth and um, I just, I was really fascinated by it and, and really interested in the fact that it wasn't a very popular myth. Like I had never heard about it. I just, I think I stumbled upon it like on Wikipedia or something just reading like I was trying to find something in Polish heritage or Polish culture because I wanted to do um, I was kind of inspired by my mother-in-law and all of her wonderful Polish food and her her sense of hospitality and just really the way she welcomed me into her family Um, and that's where a lot of the idea about family comes from I wanted to kind of do something inspired by that so I found this was really wonderful story about um, this really popular myth about uh, mermaids popular Poland. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I went to Warsaw, like I saw like the statue was everywhere. There's so many statues of this, of this mermaid and it's like on coffee cups and there's magnets and it's on banners and it's on like county, um, not county, like, but different, like, you know, mun- municipalities, um, buildings and courthouses. It's, it's a very popular um, myth and like image um, icon. And um, so when I created the story, I really just tried to think realistically about how if a woman was descended from a mermaid and she had abilities, like what would that look like? So I actually studied um, the different abilities that the sea creatures have, you know, like fish have eels have the ability to, um, to, you know, to, to emit like energy, electricity from their bodies and um, fish are to have, can have telepathic abilities, um, things like that. yeah, so I actually tried to base their the the Sobieski family's abilities in you know biological reality. <laughs> you know, I tried to find creatures that actually have these things and then and, and gave it to them. That's so interesting, and I have to say, I really loved in a hex for danger, um, because you kind of dove into a bit of that mythology and the history of the mythology in that book a little bit deeper, and it was just so interesting to read about. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, and I like I like writing stories that have some sort of interesting historical component. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always fun. Um when you can read a book for entertainment, but then also take, like, learn something and take something away from the book as well. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And Alex's family isn't the only family in town that's hiding big secrets. And I don't want to give any spoilers away, but can you talk about the way you used secrets to add intrigue into your novels? Sure. I think um, I didn't really set out to use to to use magic as an element of of you know suspense or intrigue i really want it to kind of be just like an organic part of the story where 
these characters were just kind of like regular people in a regular small town and they have these abilities. That's kind of how I approach the story. But as I was creating the series, as I was writing the story, you know, it just came to me that one of the characters in particular was hiding a secret. Um, and that really has driven some of some of his or her, I'll say, you know, no spoilers. And so in that sense, it did become part of like, um, you know, a mysterious kind of element. Um, but that was kind of, it was a little bit by accident. Um, you know, on my last trip to Poland, I went to, and I, and I mentioned this in the Hex for Danger, you know, I went to Krakow and learned about um, a new, another, another myth. And this one's um, a dragon myth. And um, I thought, wow, this is a really amazing story. And one day I'm going to have to put this in a book. And I didn't think that it would be the same series because um, I thought mermaids is enough <laughs> for one series. <laughs> but um it just kind of like, as I was writing it, like really the character was just like, this is my secret. This is what I'm hiding. And so that I kind of, and I, you know, it's like on the subconscious level that that kind of like wrote itself because I didn't plan on doing that. I actually had planned maybe like a middle grade story with that myth, but something totally different. And so that, that came out. And um, so now it is part of like, you know, the, the mystery and so I will look, you know, in the future, I'll look at other ways to kind of bring magic into the story as an element. But really, my plan was just to make it almost like um, secondary to the to the plot. Because wow. I, want, I want the story really to be as grounded as possible. And oh, yeah, these people have magical abilities. That's kind of how I want the story to, to, to be. Yeah, and it definitely does read that way. And I just think it's so cool that you were like, first of all, able to go to Poland and do that research in person. Like what a neat experience that must have been. It, re it really was because I had done so much research online and, you know, ordered books, anything I could find about the Mermaid of Warsaw. And it's really not a lot of information, but I think I found everything I could possibly find. And then to actually go and see like the statues. And I, I have a picture on my Instagram um, at Esme Addison, um, where I'm take where the the statue is behind me, and it's like a, it, there's there's many different statues, and this is one of the largest, and it's on the River Vistula, and it was just it was just like a, a really cool moment to be like, wow, this is you know this is one of the statues. It was it was really nice to see, and but to really see how prevalent that myth is in that in this in the city of Warsaw, it was really um, because but prior to that, you know, it's just like me reading stuff and seeing pictures, but it was it was really a nice moment to be able to do that. Yeah, that's so neat. So when you went on the trip and saw the fountain and the sculptures and everything, so had had you already started the series or did the series come after the trip? No, I'd already written the first, I'd already completed the first book. It hadn't come out yet, but I'd already completed it. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you, you just have to go on these kinds of research trips as an author, right? It's a requirement. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm not really doing a lot of travel just yet, but I, I want to go back to um, Wobble Castle in Krakow and do some more research on like the dragon mythology. Yeah. Oh, that would be so neat. And I can't wait to see how that kind of manifests in your future novels in the series. That's exciting. Thank you. It's pretty common in the first book of a cozy mystery series to either have the main character themselves or one of their family members become the main suspect in a murder. So why do you think that is? I think it's such a common thing in the in the genre because it's a, it's the easiest way for the sleuth to become involved in an investi investigation. 
you know, because, you, you know, one of the components of the genre is that the sleuth is an amateur. You know, they're not a police detective. They're not a, a detective by, you know, by trade. So they have to kind of stumble upon the idea of investigating a crime. And so the easiest way, I think, is for someone that they love to be in trouble and no one's going to help them and it kind of falls upon, upon them and they just kind of, they do it. And then somehow, you know, that, that creates a whole series, of, you know, it, you know, of them investigating murders, but it's, it's, it started by someone they trying to just get somebody out of trouble that they care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And for me, like having that first murder really hit close to home for the main character, it helps me as a reader to suspend my disbelief that this like baker or you know this person (laughs) that works in an apothecary shop is all of a sudden going to become an amateur sleuth um so for me like the first book book in the series it is really important to have that uh suspect be so close to home for them right because otherwise i really don't know like why would you know why would alex like decide to you know move to a small time and you know a a small town and just start investigating a murder unless it was you know all her family was threatened you know i thought it just seemed like the most like realistic thing to kind of the way to jumpstart the series right exactly and while we're on the topic of families i think it's important that we mention one of the most important family members in all of the enchanted bay mysteries and that's athena (laughs) and athena is of course the adorable german shepherd that we see on the gorgeous covers of all of your books and we of course just love pets in our cozies so i'm wondering if you have any pets of your own I do. I have a German Shepherd a puppy. Oh, nice! I do, and once again, you can see him on my on my Instagram. I have a couple of pictures of him. I actually, so I already always knew that I would have a dog, and my my um, children have been asking for one for a while, and so I already knew I was going to get a German Shepherd. But I wrote this the dog into the series before I actually had my dog, who's his name is Maximus, and he's a long haired German Shepherd. Um, he looks very much like the one on the cover, you know, he's black and tan. So, um, I just kind of, you know, wrote the dog that I knew I was going to get. And so now I have him by the time, and now that I have him, um, I think I will actually add more to Athena's role because I have more experience seeing a dog. That's not the only dog I've really spent time with is my sister's dog. And she's got a, um, uh, so guys go, um, I can't remember the, the name, the, but it's the kind that um, Oprah has. <laughs> I can't remember. Oh yeah, I don't know the name of them either. But now I I know I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and it's the dog that's in the Lady and the Tramp. I just looked. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I, you know, but which is very different from a German Shepherd. But so now that I've had a year, because my my German Shepherd is um, a little over a year, to see how they interact and and the way they respond to things, so I think Athena will definitely have. A larger role in in further books in the future books yeah that's so neat i i've had family members who've had german shepherds specifically and they do have very distinct personalities uh, i mean like all dog breeds do but german shepherds definitely have like something special about them so i'm excited to see how that kind of incorporates in the upcoming novels as well cocker spaniel that's what that's what it is cocker spaniel yes thank you <laughs> So what are some cozy mysteries with fascinating family dynamics that you would recommend to readers? Um, I, 
it's funny because there I've read a lot of different cozies and a lot of them don't have family that's close to them. They're usually someplace else, but there's one, um, Bailey Kate's magical bakery series is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And the main character moves, I think she's, I think she leaves Ohio and comes to Savannah and she moves in with her uncle and aunt and they run a bakery. Um, they are, they are witches. <laughs> um, the, the aunt is a witch and the main character is a witch, but it's a very like, she's very close to her uncle and aunt. And then there's like a coven of witches that kind of become her really close knit family. So I think out of all the ones that I've read, that's one that has like a nice family dynamic. Um, Another one would be the Seaside Cafe by Brie, um, Brie Baker. Um, I, I love that's one of my favorite series, and she moves in with not moves in, but she lives really close to her two aunts, and she's very close to them. Those are probably the two, the only two I can really think of because now, mm-hmm. like, when I'm really thinking about it, a lot of times the family is not there, but they they find a new family. Yeah, and I adore both of those series. Those are two of my very favorites um, as well. And I would also recommend A Skeleton in the Family by Lee Perry. Um, That book has a super fascinating family dynamic because one of the family members is literally a skeleton named Sid, and he helps (laughs) the main character solve murder cases. And it's it's hilarious. I just love that series. I heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Actually, I do have one more. It's um, Catherine Brun's um, Italian Chef Mysteries. The main character, um, Tessa, she has she's um, it's in like upstate New York, and she's got this big, like this huge Italian family, and it actually has a lot. It's got like the mother and like an aunt, and um, some, one of the cousins is like her best friend who helps her is like the sidekick that helps her solve mysteries, and her other cousin is a police is the police detective. So that one is that has a lot of family. Um, and that one as well. Yes, I also love that series. And that's definitely one that uh, will make you very, very hungry <laughs> while you're reading it. <laughs> so in book one in the Enchanted Bay Mysteries, the relationship with Alex's potential love interest gets very complicated very quickly. Uh, so can we expect to see more of Jack and Alex in future novels? I can't say. <laughs> All right. I understand. <laughs> But I, uh, right now, am all aboard the Jack and Alex ship. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we will. So they said, I mean, in, you know, they're together in a hex for danger. Like, how do you, how do you see their relationship progressing? Uh, I, it, like, I could see it going one of two ways right now. Like, things are definitely getting increasingly complicated right. between them. Um, so I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I will say that. Yeah, I will say, you know, I try to keep things as realistic as possible. And, you know, with the way things are going, you know, Jack is a very, like, by the book, you know, police detective. And Mm -hmm. he cares for for Alex. But she is very, like, um, like, she's very involved with, like, cases. And, you know, a lot of times you read cozies, and and this is, like, a common dynamic. There's a sleuth, and, like, she's in love with the cop, the detective. And they're always kind of butting heads. But I wonder, like, how does that really, like, wouldn't that be a problem? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, seems like that would, like, seriously be a problem. So that's actually why um, it's a problem in this one, because I think it really would be a problem, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it would cause issues, um, especially with he's always, like, 
you know, arresting people she cares about, like it would be problematic, you know, and like, but they've got to figure it out. So we'll see, we'll, yeah. see, we'll see what actually happens. <laughs> I mean, that absolutely makes sense, right? Because you've got the police officer wanting to arrest the people that you care about. And then from the police officer's perspective, you have this person like meddling in your case and sometimes causing problems. <laughs> so right. it like, makes sense. My, um, my brother works in law enforcement. He's not a, he wasn't a, a detective, but I mean, I can't imagine like, like, running around like in his you know in crime scenes like, I can't even imagine he'd be like come on like you got to leave like you can't do that <laughs> not only is this illegal you know but it's like you're you're gonna put yourself in danger you know so it's a funny part of a cozy mystery you know genre that you kind of have to just you know suspend disbelief on that but I want it like I said I want to try to be as realistic as possible on that so we'll see <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it is fun to see uh, the way that you kind of approach that in a different way than we see in a lot of cozy mystery series. So I think that's a lot of fun. So Bellamy Bay is such a charming setting. I fell in love with it instantly when I started reading the novel. So how did you go about developing the town and creating just such a charming cast of characters? Right. Thank you. You know, I just... I love the beach and I actually moved to the beach a couple of weeks, months ago, but during the, the, the uh, writing of the first two books, I was not at the beach, but so I just kind of created the town that I want, I would want to live in, you know, like my ideal beach town. So that's what Bellamy Bay is, is like my dream beach town. But then the, the, the town itself kind it grows as I need new stuff you know so if I'm right you know I'm, I'm creating the series and it's like oh I need a little dive like you know hot dog bar or something I'll just create it you know so it's just it's kind of like the the story writes itself and then they need us something so I'll just add it but it's all things that I would love to go to myself mm -hmm. I love that and I mean for me like this is a series that's definitely some delightful escapism because I live in a mountain town just outside of salt lake city which is uh snowy and freezing right now <laughs> but that also sounds beautiful yeah. a beautiful you know that's like my second favorite kind of town would be like a small beach town i'm sorry not beach uh, a mountain a little town in the mountains uh-huh but you know that sounds beautiful too <laughs> yeah it is it's gorgeous it's 20 degrees today so like as long as i'm inside i'm happy but it, it's cold oh. <laughs> i'm you know i'm at the beach and it's actually 72 today that's wow <laughs> that's pretty uncharacteristic but it's like everyone's walking around in shorts and flip-flops it's really nice mm -hmm. yeah that <laughs> that does also sound lovely it's nice to have all four seasons but mm -hmm. um the further you get into one season, the more it's like nice to escape through a book into like a different type of setting sometimes. I agree. Yeah. So I obviously adore cozy mysteries. And I've said before that I truly believe cozies are the perfect genre. And I do stand by that. But I'm curious to know, what was it that drew you to cozies? Um. So I have been a writer for a really long time. And I have I have written in other genres and I really didn't think that I was going to be a cozy mystery author. Um, and I definitely didn't think that the first genre that I published would be cozy mystery. It just, it just kind of happened that way. I, I have written romance. I have written um, like traditional mystery and I have written women's fiction and historical fiction. So and young adult, I've written a lot of different things. Um, but it, right before I started the series, I was, I really became like a really like voracious, cozy mystery reader. Um, like I really, really love to read them. And um, 
you know, as, every time I would read one, I would think I want to I want to create my own cozy mystery series. And it just became a, a, such a strong compulsion that I was like, OK, I'm just going to do it. Um, and then I just kind of I thought that I would do like I love culinary elements um, in the cozy. So I thought I would do a like a Polish bakery <laughs> with mm-hmm. them being kitchen wishes. That's that was like the original idea. But I um, at that time, the time that it was the idea was being pitched, um, culinary was there was like a glut, I guess, of culinary cozies and nobody publishers weren't really accept, accepting them. And I still wanted to work with, you know, a mat, you know, paranormal or witch, witches or something like that. So that's how I found the mermaid idea. Yeah, but, that's great. But I um, the thing that the reason that I wanted to write a cozy is because as a reader, I love the small town, you know, the, the cute little small town with the main street, like all the food, like the, the family, like all of those elements. Like I just, I wanted to like create my own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love like writing the thing that you want to read. That's uh, probably my favorite writing advice that I've ever heard from anybody. Yeah. And so it definitely sounds like that's uh, some advice that you took as well. Yeah, I, I think in everything that I write, I always write the book that I want to read. Like that's I always do that. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got to enjoy the process. Cause it's a long and hard process. So you have to make it fun. Yeah, it needs to be enjoyable. And you have to end up with like, I mean, for me, when I finish writing, it needs to be the book that I wanted to read. You know, like I wish if someone could have written up this book for me, then this is what it would be, you know, mm-hmm. so, but then. But I'm a writer, so I do it myself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then once you discovered your love for writing cozy mysteries, what was your publication journey like from there? Right. Um, it was, you know, pretty typical. Um, I got an agent. The agent uh, agent pitched the, the series. And it went to all the, the normal places and was um, rejected by every single place except my publisher, um, more so just because the idea of the mermaids was a little out there. Um, you know, like everyone thought, oh, this is a, you know, good writing, interesting story, but like it's like mermaids in the cozy is not really a thing. And then the publisher, um, Cricket Lane, um, said, you know, very similar, um, you know, the mermaid angle is not very marketable, but you know, would be interested if you can make them witches. <laughs> so, and that's actually how the water witch came in. So there was originally, there were no water witches. It was just, they were just women that were descendant from mermaids that worked in an apothecary. And actually the original idea really focused on the herbal apothecary. Like it was uh, enchanted apothecary was like kind of the working series title. So that was really the focus. But, um, and I totally get it because you know, publishers have to know the best way to market a story and, you know, the best way, the best way for sales and things like that. And witch cozies, you know, are very popular. It's a very established thing. And so I just, I kind of went back to the proverbial, you know, drawing board and I was like, how can an element of witch, witchiness to this that makes sense? And I just thought, well, if these women are descendant or, you know, descended from a mermaid, and they lived in a town on the water and people knew that there was something, you know, different about them, that they had healing abilities, that they, they might have some sort of magical, you know, background that they would probably be perceived as water witches. 
So I thought it made a lot of sense that they would be perceived as water witches, but they're, they're really, and that's why you'll in the story um, or in the series, you know, there's a little back and forth about, you know, are we witches or are we mermaids? You know, and Minka loves the idea of being considered a witch. Like she's really embraced it. But there's a couple times Lydia, Aunt Lydia will say things like, "We're not witches. You know, we're we're descent, we're mermaid descent." Like you know, she's very, you know, like this is not what we are. But Minka's like, "This is what everyone thinks we are, and I'm fine with it. It's great." You mm-hmm. know, just kind of embrace it. So I've kind of brought that into the story as well. And I think that I think that that's a real thing. That if you know, there were some magical people in town, you know, you might not know what they are, like, you know, what their particular origin of magic is, but, you know, we, it's kind of a thing where you just call someone a witch, you know, and historically, you know, there there could be, a, you know, a community of women and they are healers or, you know, not even magical, just, you know, and they're called witches because they're midwives or they can heal or they can, you know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. so I, I like that idea of, of, of calling them witches um, and, and adding that element to the story. Yeah. And it, it very much like made sense how um, they could have like descended from mermaids and then evolved to the water witches that they are today. And it's just like submission is such a fascinating process that a lot of readers don't really uh, understand how you can go on submission with like a fantastic book, but if it's not on like the specific trend that publishers think are going to sell at that exact moment, then it doesn't sell. Or you get like a request to revise and resubmit and substantially change your novel to fit, you know, whatever the trend is. So that is a really interesting story. Yeah. And the other thing is that it actually, um, it's kind of broadened the idea of the series for me because, you know, I do, I think more so in a hex for danger, you'll see that there is a character who actually um, is a witch, um, half witch. Um, and, and she talks about the fact that she's actually half mermaid, half witch, but it, it's a, it's a clear, like, you know, differentiation between being a mermaid and being a witch. And that one kind of brings in a little of the Haitian heritage, um, and mommy Wata and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, it, and I think the idea of bringing in the witches kind of opened up the idea that there are different types of magic. And, you know, we've got mermaids and there's dragons and there's witches, you know. And, and I think if the, you know if there is an actual world of magic, it's not going to be one type of thing. You know, just like our world is diverse, there's going to be diverse, you know, types of magic and different. It will present itself in different ways. I'm having a lot of fun. And the way that you grounded into like actual uh, mythology but kind of like show an evolution of it like it it just makes it even more believable and interesting for readers yeah thank you I'm glad yeah. I was I was hoping you know I'm like this is all like in my head and I put it down like I hope hope this works <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so far so good I think. yeah and can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now sure uh, a couple things I'm actually working on the third book in the series and then I'm working on a new series that is in the world of the Enchanted Bay but is slightly different oh fun that's really exciting yeah it's like the town over and it's actually it's the mundane world you know but but some there's going to be a little interplay between the two communities I love that how fun to get to see like both sides of the coin the magical and the mundane that's really neat yeah thank you 
Yeah. So before we wrap up, let's do a quick round of lightning questions so that readers can get to know you as May Addison a little bit better. So coffee or tea? Uh, Always coffee. I'm drinking coffee right now. Yeah, same. (laughs) Even though I do, I have lots of like herbal and enchanted herbal tea in the story. So I do use herbs for like therapeutic reasons, just like in the story. But, you know, for caffeine, I use coffee. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yep I am the exact same way and the book you're reading right now um so I am currently reading it's a hallmark cozy mystery um by Elizabeth Matthews and it's called um murder by page one it's a peach coast library mystery and it's about a um this African-American librarian moves from New York to a little small town in Georgia and she becomes the director of community outreach and it's just like you know like so cozy with like um this great little town it's very bookish lots of book bookish book stuff um and so, and lots of food like lots of like I just did it I just tweeted that I really want to make a peach pie like I'm dying for some peach pie right now and I actually like there's no you know peaches are not in season right now and I checked on Instacart and there's no peaches to be found anywhere. And I can't even find dried peaches. I think I'm gonna have to order them on Amazon, but I really want to make something because the book is killing me with all the peach, like <laughs> peach pie. But it's a good story. It's, such a, it's, it's a really good mystery. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I always love it when cozies um, influence me to either like order like a specific type of food or make a type of food. Um, that's, that's how you know the author did their job if they're writing a culinary cozy. <laughs> and I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one because I am heavily influenced by what I'm reading. Um, like, you know, I will eat like when I was I read uh, Julianne Lindsay's Apple Cider series um and I was like making apple pies and apple hand pies and drinking apple cider like it's really hard makes me gain weight (laughs) not be culinary cozies (laughs) yeah I just read that uh the third book in that series last week and we ordered like a whole bunch of like apple pie (laughs) ice cream from cold stone it was it was a problem for about a week Uh, it's a problem (laughs) yeah and what is one of your favorite movies of all time? Oh, I hate this question because <laughs> it's so hard. I used to say The Breakfast Club was my favorite movie. And I really haven't had a favorite since then because, I don't know, It's I've seen a lot of really good movies, but I don't have a favorite anymore. Um, I don't know. I think I used to really love Somewhere in Time. That's a really, really old movie um, that was old when I saw it. Um, that was like time travel um, with Christopher Reeve. Um, and I think that was probably one of the first books to kind of, int- sorry, it is a book, but it was one of the first movies that introduced me to like the concept, like paranormal elements in movies and books. And those are two really old references though. I, can, I don't have a new one. I, I probably more TV shows that I'm looking, you know, that I look at than movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more of a TV show girl as well anymore. I used to love movies and now I'm like more about the, the TV series. Yeah, I think that's a kind of a, a general trend with everybody like TV, you know, streaming TV shows have kind of taken over movies. But I can see some of my favorite TV shows. I love um, Fringe. Um, that's an older show, but I like I really like that show. Um, Orphan Black. Um 
Eureka, the Good Witch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. Yeah, all those are great recommendations. And what is your favorite season? I think I used to think that it was spring. My birthday's in May, and I've always like you know just liked it. You know, it's like we're coming out of like the colder times. It's getting warm and just beautiful flowers everywhere. But the call of autumn is so strong, you know, especially in the media, like you know the pumpkin latte and the mm-hmm. golden. All the like the the gold like in orange like clothing and it's just it's time to get like it's it's very like um it, you know it's a very cozy time you know because mm-hmm. it's starting to get your sweaters and your boots and warm beverages so I think it's probably autumn now I think autumn is my favorite <laughs> yeah I like I used to live for spring and summer and then I started reading cozy mysteries and now I'm like <laughs> nope I am a fall girl through and through I think it's it's, it's is the cozy effect it makes you want like you know hot coffee drinks and sweaters and candles and mm-hmm. things like that yeah. <laughs> yeah completely and what is your favorite food gosh <sighs> I don't I don't think I have a favorite well I like pie I'm gonna say mm-hmm. uh, the sweeping genre of you know category of pie I love pie I've been making them lately I was going to say, I've seen pie pictures on your Instagram lately, (laughs) and they look amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I think, yeah, I just made another sweet potato pie, even though it's Christmas, you know, it's time for Christmas. But I had a bunch of sweet potatoes left over that I didn't make, so um, that I didn't use. So I think, um, and it used to be that I love pizza, but pizza actually is a kind of pie. So yeah, that's true. Pie, you know, sweet and savory pie is my favorite. Mm -hmm. I should do like pie cozy. You should. Yeah, I would love your sweet potato pie recipe. <laughs> and who is the author you'd most like to meet? God, uh, that's such a hard question. I think um, I've had the good fortune to meet lots of authors, like a lot of my favorite cozy mystery authors. Like I feel like I've met every cozy mystery author that I have read and liked. Not Either I haven't met them in person, but online, we've done a panel or we've done something. And mm-hmm. I love that. love that. Like I, I've met every or talked to every cozy mystery author, but um, I think Alice Hoffman is is an author that I would really love to meet. Like I love her her, her stories. Um, she's just like a really really wonderful writer, and I would love to like have a you know a dinner and some wine and just talk to her about her her books and her writing. I think so. Yeah, I just like have this vision in my mind of like what like the aesthetic of what a dinner with Alice Hoffman would be like and it would just be so like magical and enchanting so that sounds fantastic yeah that would be amazing yeah and the location you'd most like to visit um so that that used to be Italy and I've been and I loved it and it was amazing and I want to go back but I think um I haven't spent any time in Paris and um, or maybe Ethiopia because I love ancient history mm-hmm. and I love, um, you know, just seeing like ruins and things like that. So it would either be Paris or um, maybe Ethiopia um, oh. all, all over the country. I can't I can't decide between those two. Yeah, those both sound incredible. I've never been to either 
Um, I would love to go back to Italy one day as well because yeah. I mean, can't get enough Italy ever, but oh, hopefully we can travel more soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. I've, I'm just, I have no interest in, in traveling, you know, except like like through my state, like North Carolina, maybe to the beach. No, sorry, not the beach because I'm at the beach, but to the mountains mm-hmm. <laughs> and back again. That's about all I want to do right now. Yeah, same. We've done like just uh, some outdoorsy local vacations that we could drive to and that's about it. And uh, that's that's how it'll stay until things change. So, <laughs> right. yeah. So to wrap things up, Esme, do you want to tell our listeners where they can connect with you online? Sure. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Esme Addison. And I also have a website, um, EsmeAddison.com. And probably the best way is to subscribe to my newsletter, which is um, at esmeaddison.com backslash newsletter. And you can stay in contact with me that way. Wonderful. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today, Esme. It's been so much fun getting to chat with you. I will definitely be keeping an eye out for news for your next novels. I can't wait. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I love it when I'm um, interviewed or having a conversation with someone who has clearly read the books and and enjoyed them. So I appreciate that. I absolutely did. And thank you so much again. And listeners, thank you for listening as well. Stick around for a couple of cozy mystery recommendations that you definitely won't want to miss. At Get Cozy Podcast, we're going to be ending each episode with recommendations for some upcoming cozy mystery releases that you simply can't miss. So without further ado, here are a couple of cozies to add to your to-read list. Since we're talking about a magical cozy mystery series this week, I thought I would give you all a couple more cozy recommendations that are brimming with magic the first of which is Witch Trial by Kate Conte. This book comes out on December 28th. Double Double Toil and Trouble, A Witch's Life is Quite a Muddle. The Full Moon Crystal Shop in North Harbor, Connecticut offers healing stones for all sorts of ailments. Unfortunately, there's nothing among the gems that can help owner Violet Mooney learn how to wield the magic she inherited from both sides of her family, the legendary Raven Star and Moonstone clans. As if being an apprentice witch weren't difficult enough, Violet's tutors are her estranged mother Fiona, a sister she never knew she had named Zoe, and a familiar in the form of a black cat, Xander. Between learning spells, Violet is being investigated by the Magical Council. A reporter out to debunk spiritualists was genied, her soul imprisoned inside a bottle in Violet's shop, and she can't prove she didn't do it. Meanwhile, her non-magical life has become complicated when one of her crystal shop customers, Nicole St. James, goes missing and turns up dead, a victim of murder. Determined to solve both crimes, Violet taps into powers she doesn't understand, much less control, and finds herself conjuring up supernatural and mortal enemies. My next recommendation is for Spirits and Sourdough by Bailey Cates. This is book number 10 in the Magical Bakery Mystery. It comes out on January 4th. Baker Katie Lightfoot needs a sprinkle of magic to solve a haunting mystery in the newest book in this New York Times best-selling series. Hedgewitch Katie Lightfoot works at the Honey Bee Bakery in Savannah, and she's always up for investigating her adopted home's rich supernatural history. That's why she's taking a ghost tour for the very first time. 
but when the psychic tour guide tells Katie that she's being followed by the ghost of a recently murdered woman, Katie realizes she met the victim earlier that day, just before she died. She knows she must bring the killer to justice, and this murder isn't the only mystery Katie needs to solve. Her new husband, Declan McCarthy, is missing the guardian spirit who always watched over him, and she's concerned that Dec's life could be at risk if they can't find him. Under pressure from the living and the dead, Katie will have to use all her magical skills to start an investigation from scratch and, and avoid half-baked alibis because this baker needs to find a killer. That's all for this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at GetCozyPodcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Also follow me at Cozy Christie. that's Cozy, K-R-Y-S-T-I, to see which cozies I'm reading and recommending. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, happy reading and stay cozy.